the football pod. Colin O'Rourke said that in punditry today, that colour, wit and enthusiasm is missing. Tune into the football pod. <laughs> Paddy Anders and James Dunne will bring it for you. Subscribe to the football pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. All right, it finally feels like the hurling championship is ready to explode. Anthony Nash, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. How are you keeping? Uh, this is the bit where it's going to actually feel like championship because the summer weather is going to be out. The grass will be a little bit drier. The ball will fly a little bit further and uh, there'll be blood on the tracks by the end of play on Sunday, potentially. Yeah, it's massive weekend. Um like to be honest, I know people will go on to them going on about it again. It's been a massive couple of weekends in Munster hurling, especially. Um like obviously Waterford are gone, but now it's down four to four for three, like and all four are gonna fancy their chances. Um obviously the one big game up in Leinster in is the Kilkenny Dublin one, which has its own significance as well. But after this weekend it's gonna be uh it'll be very interesting to see whether the All Ireland champions are still in number one. And uh, if someone has already reached the Munster final. So the, the Tipperary team shows a significant number of changes and very specifically uh, the goalkeeper. So Rhys Shelley comes in, uh, Owen Connolly comes in, Mark Keogh comes in, Bonner Marr uh, is starting according to the team that's been published. Jason Ford is out obviously with a hamstring injury. Johnny Ryan, Sean Ryan are also not picked, but Barry Hogan drops to the bench as well. You must know Ryan Shelley pretty well, do you? Yeah, Reese was in UL with us, yeah, and he actually started the um the campaign uh, and then with injury we were looking we were very fortunate with two of the best young goalkeepers in Ireland with Dean Mason and himself. Um and it was very close between the two. But Reese has got exceptionally accurate puckouts, um, you know, especially and he has the bravery to pick him off. So I'm wondering, but then like uh, like I spoke about Barry Hogan's puckouts, was it against Limerick in the league or something like that before? Like I'm I suppose I'm a, there must be something they must have had a decision made earlier on the year that maybe Reese was carrying an injury but it was a bit of a surprise to me to see him not surprising talent wise he's an exceptionally good goalkeeper and Liam has obviously worked very close with him before but I, I'm not so sure what Barry has done so wrong to, to lose his spot So sometimes as, as you know there's an overreaction to a goalkeeper conceding a load of goals in a game is this mm. what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you just don't know. Like, I think, look, <clears throat> the talk of Tipperary is that they've huge, huge belief in Reese. Um, and I saw briefly firsthand this year that he has, as I said, he's number one, he's got the bravery. He's, he's a very confident young fella. And he's, he's puck out's a bullet like, to be fair. So, whether it's that and the fact that he can do all of these things as well against the Limerick team who, who, um, who set up exceptionally well for puck outs. Um, and maybe Liam just had him in his head that he was going to be his number one and he came back in like a manager especially when he's worked with someone before has huge faith and trust we see it an awful lot in soccer where a manager would have gone uh, and brought a goalie always with him like there was even like wasn't it Paddy Kenny with Sheffield United like if you go back that far that whenever he was he was um, his, what's his manager's name again uh, Neil Warnock wasn't it yeah. then Neil would always go and take him you know but like Liam seems to have huge time and even um, I remember speaking to Fergal Horgan the referee and he was talking about how how high um, Ree Shelley was held in regard. So I think they looked to just see probably him as the the number one goalkeeper going forward. So it's not that big a deal, is it? When it, we were just chatting about it before we came on, going it, in the middle of the championship to change a goalkeeper, uh, there's a couple of things at play. It, it's a big decision, or else, or else they've decided that they're going to experiment a little bit this week, knowing full well that they're going to beat Waterford next weekend. That was one of the theories put forward. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, fair point, yeah. I, I feel that you want to uh, drag Limerick into the deep water this weekend, make them gasp for life and see if they are still Limerick. Yeah, I'd be I'd be agreeing with you on that one. I don't think that Liam has gone out saying, oh, we'll give this a go. I think Liam's gone out to try and win. And do you know what? Bar Limerick supporters, everyone else in the country is hoping the same. You know what I mean? That he's really trying to try to do it. But like, it's just a fact. Like, if I didn't know Reese, I would be kind of saying, oh, Jesus, is a huge show. But having talked to people from Tipperary, having worked with him, this could be just a long-term project that they're saying, look, this is it. This is, we find out whether you're good enough in the championship or not and, and off you go. But he is a very talented goal. They're very lucky because I've, I've time for, for Barry Hogan as well. But um, but I think that uh, yeah, it's more smelling to me that Liam has always wanted him as his goalkeeper and uh, now he's just giving him his chance. One of the things about the accuracy of a puck out, it seems, is that you have to be, you're, you're part of a chain. You can be incredibly accurate. You can hit the ball where it was supposed to go but your man makes the wrong run and all of a sudden it's dropping nicely into the hand of an uncontested halfback or a midfielder. Jeez, Jor, I thought I, I thought I liked you before this show. Now I'm starting to love you. This is just, I agree with you. It's always the outfielder's fault um, <laughs> and we can go on record and say that. Um, yeah, like that's what I always do with teams. Like the first thing I say is when I'm doing puck outs with teams, this is a system. This isn't the goalkeeper. Nor like the goalie can be wrong uh, and the forward can be right and it breaks down or, or like you just said, vice versa. And, uh, but it's always going to be like the older, the older fashion people. What's he doing pocking the ball there? Little do they know that something has broken down in that chain. Like, you know, um, but it's a hundred percent. It's a system. It's a team game. It's like a set play. And like if the quarterback doesn't throw the ball right or the wide receiver doesn't make his run properly, then it's not going to work, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, it is definitely a chain of, of events. Yeah. So how do you know he's exceptionally accurate? What, what gives you like uh, over a period of time, everything works the way it's supposed to the ball always goes where it's supposed to and sometimes the runs don't but you know yeah. that that's where the aim was like do you do just that? training is it yeah just training you see him at training just basically his trajectory of puck outs um, as I said we two of the best young goalkeepers like Dean is on the Kilkenny panels and his puck outs are excellent as well and he, the unfortunate thing for him was Ballyhill's success that he wasn't around with us for long you know and uh but then Reese is just he's just his trajectory of his puck out is very strong. He's got a massive belt of a ball as well. But the one thing I that I'd say many a manager might like about him is not only is he brave and accurate to go short with a trajectory that's lower that can get there faster, he also has that relieving big one that can go beyond the half back line if needed. He's also a great free taker and a penalty taker. Um so I think it's just as I said, it was just I before I met him, I wouldn't have known that much about him. But having met him and having spoken to a few people from Tipperary, he is being held in very high regards and probably the potential long term goalkeeper going forward. Big TikTok star as well, it turns out. Is he? I didn't know that. No, that's not what I am anyway. He, like do you know what? He's a good old he's he's a like he's a very confident young fella, like, you know, he's a funny old kid as well, like, but geez, aren't all kids nowadays, like, you know, I, that's just showing my age here now, like that I wouldn't even know. Jesus, we've students here in school who were up to the All Ireland final. They were telling me about stuff that's going up in TikTok. Like I was like, Jesus, well above my head. Uh, uh, yeah, I, there's definitely going to be a generation who like have a already a massive social media following that are yeah. like, completely unbeknownst to the management of teams. Indeed, you know. So let them at it. Let them at it. Like, sure, we're dealing with it. Like, sure, you know, like years ago, I used to go into dress and put away the phones, do whatever. Like, and now it's a situation where the phone is their and almost a limb in their body like you know speakers you see teams going to the dressing room now with big speakers into the dressing room to listen to music beforehand so before you'd be told turn off that shite turn it off now and concentrate in the game like you know but sure the dressing room should be a place where you are relaxed you know and, and off you go so but we are any management team are going to be facing I, I'm lucky I'm a secondary school teacher 
I see the changes in, in society. I call teaching like the land of Tiernadog. They get they stay the same age, but I get older. Um, so like it's just generation is changing and it's also changing in jail. Like. Do you think it's important for a management team to understand that and to be able, at some level, and I know we're joking about here about TikTok, but actually to be able to access the type of uh, material, good and bad, that's coming the way of the players. Because if, if they're getting told constantly, you're a great fella, but equally if they're getting told constantly, you're a disaster, you know, it's, it takes a long time to be able to hold that at arm's length. I don't think I actually don't think anybody's ever always able to hold that stuff at arm's length. Everybody always says, "Oh, you know, I just let it run on." But actually, at some level, there's always somebody who can say something that just cuts you. Hundred percent. I would have experienced it on Twitter. Twitter would have been the one for me, like you know, because obviously TikTok wasn't around or whatever like that, and Instagram or whatever. I went off Facebook. Um, that was just because I was spending too much time in it. Like, but you'd always come across a couple of comments. But for me, it was Twitter. So when I first started playing, I was flicking to Twitter after games, and then. Later on, I used to leave it off a couple of days, like win, lose, draw, like, you know, um, because it did. There was always a comment that pissed you off. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could be after winning a game and some fool that you've never met has had two followers, you know, puts up a tweet and links you into it. Like, and you're just like, oh my God. So, like, there is a balance. The one thing about it is, like, that's the only worry I'd have about social media for players, whether they have social media or not. Once they're not offensive, we must learn from soccer here as well. And, you know, like once they're not offensive on it, once they're not going on too much and offending opposition or themselves or being disrespectful to people, then they have it. They're going to have it anyway. And why are you handcuffing children and young fellas to, that are going to like, you know, there's kids here in school that teach me about technology. Like, you know, I haven't, it's just a generational change, but it's, it's the mind for me. It's, it's being strong enough to realise that people could be building you up to be the best thing in the world and then the next day knocking you down. Yeah, yeah. So you feel like it's worth having that conversation with with your oh, yeah. teams? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, because, like, it's funny, like, you know, like, we don't talk about much and I try and distance it from our calls here in the 20s I'm with at the moment. Like, but, like, I was with UL Fitz. I was with the Cork 20s. I was with a school team here. They're all young fellas, like, you know, like, they're all children still to a certain degree. And it's just an educational talk and, and, you know, the do's and don'ts, like, you know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, like, like their parents are the people that look after them the most rather than us, where they're just to guide them as well, you know? It's yeah. like... Um, people don't listen know, to their parents though, Anthony, I have to say. Is, uh, I've got, you know, my yeah, kids I, get I do get for... that. I do, I do get that too, like, I do get that, like, you know, don't worry, I, I, my five-day-a-week job is, is teaching. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it's... But it's just, look, I always think that... You can't really go over the top and control their lives because they just won't react to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. So it's know. like uh, tailored interjections from time to time to ask questions about what do you think the impact yeah. of this is going to be and can we lead you exactly. to uh, make better decisions? Um, all right, exactly. so that was a, a, a wild tangent. But the team that has been yeah. named uh, from Tipperary's perspective, I don't know if we expect it to be the team that takes the field, but it certainly there seems to be a theme to the changes that have been made and announced that it's going to be a, a physically intense game from Tipperary and that they've picked a squad, uh, they've picked a starting 15 specifically aimed at going toe-to-toe with Limerick, which is just interesting. Yeah, go toe-to-toe at start and then maybe bring in the, the, the kind of reinforcements from the bench, like, do you know what I mean? Um, or as Pat Ryan referred to the Limerick lads as the bomb squad when he was on uh, a couple of, a month back or whatever at that point. Uh, going back to your earlier point do we expect any team to start anymore you know um, that's been named so like there's always going to be one or two bogey changes like and stuff from managers so um, but I can see like Liam is probably just looking and going this is going to be ferocious for the first and the way Liam wants to play it it is going to be like that anyway it's going to be ferocious for the first half and then maybe 35-40 minutes into the game you might have 
there's fresher legs coming in and stuff like that and that's why squads have become so important doesn't matter what team you're playing it's your bench that is actually going to make the difference between you being a good team and a great team um, but it's going to be like be it Liam Cahill be it John Coyley be it Limerick going out Limerick going in it's still tipping Limerick like you know uh, still going to be an unbelievable game of hurling and tip for the last few years have shown that they're well able even in the league they're you know they're well able to to put it up to Limerick. It's just whether they can consistently do it for the seventy minutes. It does seem as if the the physical players will start for Tip, and then mm. they'll look for pace mm. later in the game. Yeah. And like yeah. when you say it pre-match, it sounds great. Uh, obviously, the game will take on its own life, and whether or not those players who are coming off the bench are going to be able to have the specific type of impact that you want, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. From Limerick's perspective, obviously, they've named Hegarty, they've named Lynch, and it's a really really strong side I wouldn't be terribly surprised if that was the Limerick team and Limerick are now going okay come on let's be having you lads that is the Limerick team I'd say I wouldn't be I would, I'd be amazed if it isn't there's obviously rumours going around Limerick some random tweet went up and that Gerard Hegarty had you know all but stabbed John Kiley <laughs> do you know what I mean like it was just uh, that's the best Limerick team available to them at the moment and what I like to see in the bench having worked with Adam English is that he's back in now and you know, to John he respected the Limerick 20s and he gave him Shane O'Brien and Adam English freely like you know so Adam back in now is a big boost to the bench and um, I think Mike Casey was the obvious choice the one thing for me was whether they were going to flirt with Kyle Hayes going up the field they still might I don't know um, but if that's the team like the biggest thing for us was was Keane Lynch going to be fit if Keane Lynch is fit He's centre forward. It's as simple as that. And the three-week gap seems to, well, we'll see on Sunday, but I, I believe will have helped them to recharge and reboot and go again. And uh, we will find out what Limerick team comes out on Sunday. And you know what? We could be here next week going, right, that was it. They're back. You know what I mean? And I, I, firmly, I believe that. I, I think Limerick are going to be Tipperary on Sunday. I think the three-week gap, I think the kind of rallying of the charges, all these rumours are brilliant for the likes of John Kiley. Like he can use all this crap from the outside and get these guys going again. And, uh, but again, they'll focus on themselves. They'll know if they play to the best of their ability, they'll be Tipperary. Well, they're going to feel alive anyway because it's do or die. Whatever about the complacency and the conversations and the, you know, we heard during the week that it was the players who decided that they wanted to go full bore for the league. I, I don't know, I presume everybody has to have a, a say in that. But, uh, like, they've, they've walked themselves into a do or die scenario um, nearly. We, it might not be depending on the, the result in the Clare Cork game. But notwithstanding that, they're kind of um, they are backing themselves into a corner in the, a little bit in the style of the Mayo footballers all those years where it was like ah, it, when it matters come back to us and they're in that situation now where it, it can't be easy to be at your very best when your very best is some of the greatest <clears throat> stuff that we've ever seen week in week out uh, like the one thing I'll say Waterford through everything Adam right I wouldn't say the Limerick were amazing or type, but Waterford through everything Adam and I think that was actually not the downfall of Waterford but like it seemed to affect them going forward in the next week and the momentum kind of died a death they didn't last to clear by one point you know what I mean and we've had a three week gap and there are people out there writing the obituaries of Limerick we'll see on Sunday <coughs> I, I, like I firmly believe Limerick will be Tipperary on Sunday um, and pe- Tipperary people might be listening going ah that whatever I want you six pieces like, but I just think that like they've played two games do you know what I mean? They lost one by a point and could have easily drawn it or won it or whatever. Like, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like, you know, detrimental. Sean Finn's a huge loss. Like, that's to me, that's the biggest thing. Sean Finn's a huge loss, and they're fortunate to have Mike Casey coming in, of course. But they, apart from that, they have everyone else again. Do you know? And they have, like, okay, the one thing I'll say about Limerick: winner of their best games being performed in the last number of years. Once the final performance can clear, 
semi-finals and all Ireland finals do or die games and what are they facing them this weekend a do or die game and no better team to hand up and say Tipperary are better as they beat us if they do but I just think that Limerick will just come out and I think we'll see the normal Limerick I won't even say the old Limerick we'll see the normal Limerick back and it's just the question is then can Tip um, hack it for 70 minutes and beat them uh, just to go back to the rumours um, is it a, is it every GA intercounty team that has these but that obviously we hear the most high profile ones because they're the All-Ireland champions like would that have been common enough when you were playing that there would have been wild rumours sweeping and uh, what what impact does it have because there's always somebody somewhere along the line who is like is that did something happen did I miss something you know like Ireland likes to gossip we're very gossipy oh yeah Social media is the big driver again, and I'll come back to it again. But it's just Twitter. Like Twitter is amazing. Like some random person can put up a tweet. Next, did you hear that? Did you see that? Did you see this? And boom, it and, goes more. And, and like, WhatsApp, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like you've got, you know, that that's the thing. Like, and we love a good gossip, as you said. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we do love it. Like, but and especially when it involves not only is it involving the All Ireland champions, it's involving one of the best hurlers in the country who has, you know being left out of the team against Clare should all made perfect sense no maybe there's no smoke or no fire either maybe something did happen or whatever like that but geez the legs that the story was getting was just hilarious like you know and uh, it's as simple as this one thing put it to bed he's named on the team he was training the whole time during it like so the talks of him being gone were, were funny like he was at training he was training but we still do you know what we prefer the old story than the truth sometimes like and we love to just keep passing it on like you know yeah and I think all the great teams have always had a little bit of this that goes on around so. them yeah. where somebody decides that they're going to try and take them down with a, a, a bit of malevolence like just out of badness yeah. and I, I'm not talking about yeah. that in this instance but like certainly there would have been rumours about the dubs constantly um there's always rumours about Kerry football like that's among uh, as Paddy said he was you know uh, Paddy knew his people better than most people um, what was it like in Cork was it different or was it the same do you know as I said to you last day like I joined the panel at the very end of the success like you know um, but there was always stories going around you know about like how training is going this fella's out injured that fella didn't turn up this fella did this this fella did that but there was never any kind of like in in the circle, it doesn't matter. Like you know, you're just you actually laugh about it. Do you? Do you know what I mean? You actually, you do. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Like because you know it's rubbish. Like you're the guy. Like like your own Hegarty, for example. Right? Maybe there was something between himself and John. And you know what? There probably was. Like your own might have gone up to John and asked him why he wasn't playing or whatever. And next, someone blew it out of proportion, and all of a sudden, like so, these things happen. Like there's fights in training. You know, you'd hear. Oh, did you hear that? His anti-Nash and Jordan had a fight in training there the last year. It was huge. Yeah, there was a fight, but we had a couple of fisticuffs. What they didn't realise in after is, you know, they were speaking in the dressing room. Like, you see Sky Sports there. Premier League soccer players get into a fight. Oh, it's blown up. It's all over Sky Sports news. Two players fight, but sure. What happened after? Did they shake hands and just move on? You know, so it's just rumours starting like that. But once you're within the circle, you laugh at it, like, because you know it's only rubbish. Uh, okay, so you, you said you think Limerick are going to beat Tip this weekend because it's do or die. Yeah. Uh, do do you see a specific do you, do you think we see Kyle Hayes in the forwards or do you think it's just going to be the team the team largely as has been named and it depends on players now playing at the level that they're used to and they'll play the similar type of game that we've seen that there's nothing they're not going to change they're actually going to go back to first principles as opposed to trying something in any way an iteration of what we've seen before yeah they're a team like that just say look if we get ourselves right and if we play to our potential then bring it on whoever the opposition are and if you beat us fair play to you and I still think that they have the respect earned to be able to do that you know what I mean like if they play to their best if they, all their big players play 
Like if Galan, like you still have a full forward line of Flanagan, Galan, and Casey. Like Jesus, like what more do you want to change? For me, is if Keen Lynch is fit, then Kyle Hayes stays at wing back. Um, if Keen Lynch isn't fit, and if the injury has held up with him, then I think Kyle Hayes would potentially move up. But if if all those players that are named, and again, I'm not privy to anything, I don't know, but uh, I'd be amazed if that team isn't isn't what it is. And I think, as you said, just go back to basics here. What's won us the last number of All Irelands, and let's just drive on again because when they do turn up in their best. Jesus, like not many teams teams have gotten close to them for a number of minutes, and obviously Clare in the Munster final last year, but um, not many team has kind of lived with them for the seventy plus minutes. In terms of the, the Clare court game again, this is going to be fever pitch in Ennis. Mm. I think Clare's uh, recent form is making the Clare supporters very optimistic about what's coming for the rest of the year, and yeah, you know it could still go pear shaped for them too. That's the glory mm. of the Munster championship, and it's also the downside of it. But from Cork's perspective. There was uh, great stuff in the game against Tipperary and some other bits where you're like, I don't really understand what happened here. Um, well, so now with the dust settled a little bit on it, what did you make of Cork's performance against Tip? Um, I thought Cork did very well to get a result out of the game. I thought that they were like, they'd have been licking their lips at the result, but not with the performance. I thought Tipperary uh, out hurled them in the middle third. In fairness to Cork, what I've liked is the consistency of work rate. They've had it. Just Tipperary's hurling around the middle third was so sharp. Like they were moving that ball a lot faster than the Cork legs were carrying. And that's always the case. If you can move the ball at speed, no matter how hard the team work, if you can move it with speed and accuracy, you, they're not getting into the tackle zone. I just thought the likes of Noel McGrath around the middle third there was just, you know, he'd moved to the right place. They see he'd been in a bit of space. The worry for Cork was, um, it, no, not, it's, this is kind of sounds ironic, right? That they needed four goals. You know what I mean? Like, Cork will score goals but they mightn't always get four and score four goals and only get a draw shows that there's something there was something there you know um, and I think it was just Tip's dominance of possession in the middle third was was a big thing and how they utilised the sweeper while Kieran Joyce won a lot of ball I thought Rona Mara was very um, involved in the game and uh, the other thing about it is losing Robbie O'Flynn is a big loss as well so I think Cork will have gone away and said right we're delighted to have three three points on the board, but a huge amount to work on. Um, then then the, after the Tipperary game, and like while Clare offer something different, they probably offer a more aggressive pace and you know work rate and you know speed than Tipperary. Cork will still be looking at like how come we didn't win the middle third on that night. And so, what's the answer to that? How do you fix it? Yeah, it's just it's it, the games take on a life for themselves. You know, like I, I was even talking to a fella there last night, like, and I was saying, like, you know, all Cork have, will have this guy in midfield, and that guy in midfield, and I'm thinking, hold on a second, Cork will have two midfielders plus two half hours, potentially a centre forward. Like, it's it's actually getting possession and moving it out of that middle third. Senior into county hurling is in, in a life of its own at the moment. It's like, it, the, the, and I think that's why Davy was going with Waterford. He wanted to win that middle third so badly that he probably sacrificed his other players inside. Like you're going to have the likes of David Fitzgerald, you're going to have the likes of Tony Kelly, you're going to have Colin Lund, you're going to have all these in the middle part. You need to make sure that you win possession in there and move it out of there more accurately. And is it a case of Luke Mead and Dara Fitzgibbon coming into the middle third and just leaving two inside and you know then getting the ball to the delivery zone and getting it over their sweeper who they'll have? Like both teams will probably have a low lying centre back, like you know what I mean, or a sweeper, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the way bodies go to the middle. And it's just making sure that your positional sense with your defender is good and that you're able to gain possession in the in the middle third and carry it to the delivery zone where the likes of Hoggy and be it Shamie Harnady or whoever's inside get good accurate ball. No, come here, sure. 
Subutio. I'm just after explaining Subutio hurling to you. It's all beautiful on that green board as you look down, you move those little men around the place. But it's actually just making sure that you match the opposition's energy and effort in the middle third. And, and be, like Cork need to hurl better, basically. Hurl, which we're always known for. I thought Tipperary out-hurled Cork. I won't say they outworked them, but they definitely out-hurled them in the middle third. I am, I'm a little bit confused about how the goals that Cork scored in the first half didn't force a reaction from Tipperary. And maybe this is because Tipperary have like firm belief in what they were doing and it nearly carried the day. But you would have thought that with the two goals, so for people who didn't see, the first two goals that Cork scored in the first half of the game, they're from a run straight through the middle. And generally mm-hmm. when you concede goals like that, your natural reaction is to bring extra bodies back and to drop a little bit deeper to prevent that from happening again. But instead of doing that, they continued with dominating that middle third that you're talking about and it nearly paid dividends for them it was almost like they were yeah Grant you scored those two goals but we're going to overwhelm you with our sheer force of numbers and the quality of our hurling yeah I'd like so every county managing team have a stats team right um, and they, Liam could have been fed stats down saying like we're, we're absolutely destroying them here in the middle third like you know and if you decide so what would they have to do only take one player from that area and take him out like and it's like Pep Guardiola like you play five in midfield to dominate the midfield and you play four in midfield or three in midfield and give up the midfield but strengthen up the other place and that's why the game is like chess like do you just go after one sector of the field and sacrifice the defence um, and I'm sure Liam would have said like there's no way we're going to concede four goals here And but that's the one thing about Cork and Clare have it too is they have pace once, they, once you get out of that middle third with an overlap well then you're under pressure um, and it's probably the one if if people could rate out of 10 all the skill Tipperary's hurling would be 9 or a 10 Tipperary's pace might be 6 or a 7 you know what I mean and then you're coming up against the Cork team that you could maybe be you know flip that over like so um, it's very hard like to say what will we do will we bring someone else back and plus for a lot of that game Rona Maher was actually sitting back but it was just Cork's pace and numbers when they flooded forward seemed to just outnumber Tip but um, but you have two similar styles coming up against each other now in Cork and Clare at the weekend so the same things mightn't be there where Clare mightn't have the same natural wristy hurling but they'll definitely have the aggression and the speed to carry the ball through the middle third So what's your instinct about how this game's going to go? I think it's going to be exceptionally close like I, and I'm not sitting on the fence here I, you know regarding the, the, the draw I wouldn't be surprised with a draw here that's the God's honest truth Um I hope with my Cork hat on that the consistency will come and I just think that the one thing Cork will have that might trouble I just think the Cork forward line like Sean, I don't know who been back for Cork is huge as well, right? Um, so the, I think the Cork backs will match up. I do see. I, I look. It's not just my Cork hat, and I do see a, a cracking game of hurling that could go either way to get off the fence. I will say Cork will hopefully win by one or two points. Um, there's clear people are listening in, going, "That's just a Cork hat on," and it might be. It might be. Um, but I just I, I like to see what Pat Ryan's doing with this team. I like to see what Pat Ryan's doing with this team, and I just think that like the likes of Damian Callan will pick up Peter Duggan. Um, either Niall O'Leary will pick up Mark Rogers or Sean O'Donoghue and then someone is, what, the big question for me actually is what are they going to do with Tony Kelly you know what, what's the job of Tony Kelly are they going to go after him or are they going to leave him out into that middle third they talked about and try and pick him up out there and that's always the case with Clare like you know and Clare need him to get back to his brilliant best they've been brilliant you know without his overriding influence but if he gets back to himself then Cork lose like yeah, Waterford didn't do a great job on Tony Kelly last week. Obviously, what would you do mm. if you were uh, if you were in that uh, selection decision conversation all week long, and you're thinking, okay, how do we solve a problem like Tony Kelly? What's your instinct? After Markham, really, 
you know the way he's so influential to that team like no again you're t- you asked me there a second ago why didn't Tipperary react to the middle third and drop a guy back like and if you're sending someone after Tony Kelly you're sending a defender out and you're probably playing five and five but I don't know how you'd maybe you create someone else and maybe target a week do you give up a sweeper to Clare and keep your centre back but I just don't think with Tony's influence on the field and also with the crowd that you can allow him to be you know uh, on his own the dream scenario here, right? The dream scenario is if you have a disciplined enough team where you have, for example, a Will O'Donoghue who spots him coming over his shoulder and, you know, keep him in the zone and make sure you're marking him. Well, then that's the dream scenario because you can keep your centre-back back. But I don't know the many teams um, are we able to do that anymore. You know, any team able to do that. But for me, he has to be tagged. Okay. So a slight... Uh, leaning towards Cork, which may be natural, uh, slice, which may, slice, be, which may slice, just be yeah. biased. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and then yeah. <laughs> a, a win for Limerick, which leaves us very delicately poised for the uh, the last weekend of games as well. So mm. um, our last mm. couple of weekends of games, plenty to look forward yeah. to. Anthony, good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks a million, Perfect. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Off the ball, it teamed up with the senior hurling championship sponsors, Borg Gosh Energy, to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact that hurling has had on people's lives. This week's competition winner. Uh, which is obviously hosted by our good friends at Borgosh Energy, is Paul Condon. Paul's from Round Towers Hurling and Camogie Club in Kildare. The club have started their own junior adult hurling team and had their first match recently, so a big shout-out to Paul for telling his story and best of luck for the rest of the season. If you want to get involved in that competition, then um, just check out our social. We've got details on it there and also make sure you stay tuned to the show across the week. Um, brilliant prizes up for grabs, including uh, tickets to the All-Ireland Final uh, at the end. And we'll obviously be playing the winners as we go uh, later on. Uh, now, um, that is Hurling for this week. Plenty more to come on the show. Stay tuned. Hurling on Off the Ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.